Get ready for an insightful episode on sales transformation and the importance of lifelong learning. Host Colin Mitchell interviews sales expert Mark Cox, who shares his journey from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. So sit back, relax, and get ready to elevate your sales techniques with this thought-provoking episode. Let's dive in. Colin, take it away. Very excited to have Mark Cox on today. Uh, Mark has been fortunate enough to have sold, structured, and negotiated some of the largest single sales transactions in North America, including a billion-dollar transaction with a top 10 U.S. bank. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Colin. I'm a real fan of the show, so thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, just before we you know, get into the topic here that we, we planned out for today, uh, why don't you tell us what is your biggest sales transformation? Well, you know, I was in my late 20s. Um, I had a little bit of success in professional selling up to that stage of the game. And I think if you think of Carol Dweck and growth mindset, I was sort of plateauing in this place where I thought I had a bit of a fixed mindset about mm. selling. And I thought my success was kind of driven by some core attributes that were inherent to me. So what I actually did, Colin, was I booked in for an executive MBA. I thought I'd spend a couple of years and go get an MBA. And then maybe when I came back, I'd have that financial acumen to get to the CEO level or maybe be a CFO and do some other things. And, you know, the, there was, the transformation was really twofold. One, once I really started doing a deep dive on business using the business case method made famous by Harvard, I realized that sales is the most important function in any business. So the more education I got, the more I realized where I had naturally grown up in professional sales, it was the only thing I really wanted to do. The second thing it did for me, it really awakened my curiosity and this growth mindset. So it, it re-triggered for me this lifelong learner approach, kind of a learn-it-all versus a know-it-all. Mm -hmm. And I have this voracious appetite for learning and that was really transformational for me professionally in sales, but also personally. And frankly, it's one of the reasons I love your podcast. In a very short period of time, I can get some great tips and education. And you've, you've had so many great ones. So that's the sales transformation for me, just this awakening to become this lifelong learner. And th the journey's continued for the last 20 years. Yeah, I love that. Uh, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast this morning uh, at the gym, and it was very much focused on you know uh, sales leaders needing to be a learn it all rather than a know it all. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a you know a, a very interesting thing for for people to consider because often specifically in sales leadership they think they need to be a know it all, but they don't. Oh, man, what a great point you bring up. By the way, I feel terrible today. I didn't get to the gym before this podcast, so I'm envious of you already. But, but you know, I think it's a real challenge for sales leaders today, Colin. And, you know, we've always said that being a sales leader or CRO is probably the toughest job around the executive table because you've got the three most demanding stakeholders in business. You've got clients, which are super important. Of course, they're the most important stakeholder, but they're so demanding. I've got my sales team, which takes a lot of attention and care and feeding. And then on top of that, I'm reporting into the executive team or a board. Mm -hmm. And I'm the only one around that table as the CRO whose scorecard is public domain. 
Everybody knows the scorecard. I don't know the scorecard of my teammates, the head of IT, the head of product, the head of marketing. It's not quite so obvious what their scorecard is. So it's a really tough job. But for some reason, most sales leaders today feel like they have to go it alone. Sales is a performance art, like being a professional hockey player. Professional hockey players have nine coaches. They have a head coach, skating coach, shooting coach, fitness coach, strength coach, mindset coach, nutrition coach. So so those organizations where they have to have people at peak performance understand it takes a village to elevate performance. And I, I think a lot of sales leaders today haven't embraced that. That's the first time I've heard a hockey analogy. Uh, you get a lot of sports analogies <laughs> for, for sales uh, often, but uh, that's, that's an interesting one. Now, before we dig into this a little bit deeper, deeper, I think there's probably people that are listening and they're like, come on, tell me, tell me, Mark, about the biggest deal that you closed. And I think that we've got to get into that before we get too far along on this sales leadership topic. Well, yeah, it was a it was really big deal with a, a top top bank in the U.S. And they're outsourcing deals where you take over people and technology and all of these kinds of things. So they're, they're pretty complex deals to sell and they're very complex deals to negotiate. Um, uh, for the listeners, I'll say a couple of things. I was way over my head. Mm. So let's just let's just be honest. There's not too many people that can guide anybody through doing deals that size. We'd done a couple of $100 million deals, and it was leading up. And the second thing was I was negotiating with professional negotiators. So the, the client had actually engaged professional negotiators, and I certainly was not a professional negotiator at that point in time. So there was this constant feeling of being overwhelmed, to be honest with you, Colin. I had a great team working and all of those kinds of good things. One of the things that was critical to the success of that deal, though, was aligning with the client on the business case and the financial metrics of the deal. And I think this is a real gap in professional selling today. We're, we're pitching products, but we don't really understand the impact or the value of that offering on the client, and we're not collaborating with them to understand that. There's no chance of negotiating a deal of this size unless both parties had really aligned on, okay, we understand the value offering of the transaction and we're both agreed on it. We're both working off the same spreadsheet. And then you get into an arm wrestle about who gets what percentage of the value, but you have to be on this baseline of what's the impact. And for the listeners today, I'd have you think of all the deals you're working right now. Do you and the client actually align on the financial impact or the return on investment uh, of this opportunity. Because if you don't, then first of all, you're just going to get negotiated down on price. And secondly, you probably won't even get a deal done in this economy. So working with them to understand the real financial impact is a critical one. And then the second one is, hey, we're all outside our comfort zone at some point in time. And Colin, I was so far outside of my comfort zone for a year and a half, it wasn't even funny. Mm. Now I'm curious how long was just in the, you know, time-wise, just the negotiation piece with a deal uh, that size? It's about nine months, nine to 10 months. Just on negotiation. Yeah. I mean, some people, their entire sales cycle is less than that. Right. Um, but a deal this size, I mean, I think that the, 
I'm just curious, how do you have any sort of framework that you followed in order to help them measure that financial impact? Oh, absolutely. So, so again, this comes back to, to really deal strategy, um, something I think is critically important. Very early on, you're working with them collaboratively to say, okay, let's, let's understand the net present value of the deal or the payback of the deal or the financial return on the deal. And, and so the clients we're all selling to today, they have processes in place to say they've got to see certain paybacks for the investments depending upon what area of the business you work with. And if we're earning the right by adding value and insight and all of those kinds of things and collaborating with them, we should all be working off the same spreadsheet, meaning mm-hmm. saying, hey, how would you cost justify you know, moving forward with this? Let's take a look and let's work on that together. Doesn't mean, you know, when they do that, they shouldn't be afraid that, hey, they're opening the kimono and they're putting all their cards on the table. It's just clarifying what the value is going to be. And once we're aligned on that, first of all, hopefully that's going to provide them a compelling reason to move forward with your opportunity. But they can always negotiate the percentage of that value down the road. So they can ask for a bigger piece. And that's really what ends up happening. You're just negotiating who gets what piece of the value. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it and that you didn't forget to subscribe and share so that we can help more people transform the way they sell.